Welcome back to the Encounter Radio Show with Bill Reeser. I'm so grateful that you've joined us uh, today on the Encounter Radio Show. I want to go back to square one and share my personal testimony. And what I'm going to do is share Anchor 12 and live out the hope that I now have. And that's important. You know, we all have a testimony. We all need to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We all need to share what, what God has done in our lives. And I talk to a lot of people, and they and, I, and a lot of people come to me and say, Bill, I don't have a testimony. Well, yes, you do. Each and every one of us, if, if, if we've given our lives to Jesus Christ, we all have a testimony. And I want to encourage you to share your testimony because that's what you're called to do. The Bible tells us to always be prepared to give an account of the hope that we now live for, 1 Peter 3.15. So we are to share our testimony and be prepared to share our testimony by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the book, and I quote the book a lot, Draw the Circle from Mark Batterson, and it's a 40-day prayer devotional on day 32 It's titled, Get a Testimony, and it's so important uh, that we share our testimony. He writes this. He says, I wonder if the lack of awe in many churches is, is directly attributable to the lost art of the testimony. Churches that see people radically saved are usually churches that allow radically saved people to share their testimonies. Is it any wonder that what gets celebrated gets replicated? When a testimony of healing is shared, for example, those who hear it get an infusion of faith to believe God for healing in their own lives. And those testimonies double as prophecies. When we share a testimony, we are loaning our faith to others. When we listen to a testimony, we are borrowing faith from others. Either way, the church is edified and God is glorified. And for those of you that say, I don't have a testimony, well, let me remind you, you were once blind, but now you can see. You were once dead, but now you're alive. You were once headed to hell, but now you got a ticket to heaven with your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You were once not forgiven, now you are forgiven. You were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You are now a child of the one true king. You got a new heart, you got a new mind, you got a new life, and and you are forgiven and and your eternal destiny is settled for heaven. And that is a testimony worth sharing around the world to anyone who is looking for hope and the whole world is looking for hope. So with that being said, I hope that sets a little up of why we all need to share our testimony. And I want to share my personal testimony throughout this week uh, on the Encounter radio show of how I came to faith in Jesus Christ, how Christ radically uh, saved me, transformed me, healed me, set me free, and the hope that I now have that I hope I can give away to those listening to my personal testimony. If you get encouraged by any part of this testimony, any part of this radio show, and email me at bill at thehopeencounter.org, bill at thehopeencounter.org, I would be glad to send you a free book, Vertical Leap, which is my testimony and my story of what God's done in my life. But I want to go back to the beginning now of how it all started. I don't know if you could tell by my accent. I've lost most of my accent, but I grew up in in East Harlem in New York City, in the streets of New York, right in the middle of Spanish and Black Harlem. I grew up, I was born in 1960. I'm 62 years old. I grew up uh, 
with my dad leaving when I was six months old. I never got to see my dad. Never felt the physical touch of a father. Uh, my dad left my mom, and my mom, who was a full-blooded Italian, raised me and my two sisters, and we're all a year apart, me and my two sisters. And my older sister is just is 63, and my late younger sister would have been uh, 61. Um, but we all were a year apart, and my dad left uh, left my mom to raise all three of us by herself uh, with no help whatso- whatsoever. And, and I did mention that my dad, my dad was German, that my last name is Reeser, my mom was full-blooded Italian, and all the relatives that I grew up with were from my mother's side, which are all full-blooded Italians, and they were crazy Italians at, at, at that. And so my mom did the best that she could. She, she, was a, she was a great, she was a great mom, but she had her faults, and, and then she was a fighter. Uh, but because I was a half-breed, uh, and what I mean by half-breed, half-German, half-Italian, I grew up in a predominantly uh, a small Italian neighborhood right in the middle of Spanish and Black Harlem. And because I was a half-breed, I got picked on not by uh, the uh, other groups of, that were black and Puerto Rican. I got picked on by the Italian guys, uh, my own race. And I was always fighting for my life. I was always... Um, always in dangerous situations. I'd get beat up a lot. I'd get bullied all the time. Uh, I've been, I was always, always fighting for my life in, in, in many, many situations. Now, my mom was a fighter. You never wanted to mess with my mother. She was just one of these crazy Italian ladies that you never want. Even the mob guys were afraid of her. And I grew up with a lot of mafia guys. And they were dangerous people. And a, and a lot of what we call future racketeers of America. I like to call them FROAs. And, uh, but my mom was just a, she's just a crazy uh, fighting woman. You never wanted to mess with her. If you messed with us, you had, to, you had to deal with my mother. One time a, a nun approached my mother and told, uh, uh, actually the nun approached my sister because we, we were in Catholic grade school. And she told my sister that if my mom couldn't keep up tuition payments, we were going to get kicked out of school. So my younger sister went home crying and and just thought we were going to get kicked out of school. And, and my mother said that, you know, asked my, my sisters, what did that nun say to you? And then my mother said, take me to her. So we, we all went back to school and my nun, my mother approached the nun and said, did you tell my daughter that if I couldn't keep up tuition payments that we were going to, uh, that they would get kicked out of school? And the nun said, yes, I did. And as soon as she said, yes, I did, my mother clocked that nun, knocked that nun out, beat the living daylights out of that nun. And I guess the mafia out of my mother came out of her and she said, if you ever even talk to my daughter again, I'll kill you. I'll kill your family. I'll kill everyone you know. And that was just my mother. She was just, and we're just looking at her saying, whoa, you don't mess with, you don't mess with mom. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about that story was, we never got expelled. My mother never really had to pay uh, tuition. I got scholarshiped in the fifth grade, and they didn't even know I could play basketball then. So that was the funny thing about that. But my mom was a fighter. But listen, no mom could do what a dad could do, especially in a dangerous place like East Harlem, New York. Now, listen, I, when I was 12 years old, I went through a series of events that shaped a pattern of behavior for who Bill Reeser was going to be for the first 36 years of my life. I remember walking into a hallway just looking for a friend of mine, uh, and a guy met me there at knife point. 
grown-up guy, mob guy, mafia guy, and he pinned me in a corner with a knife against my throat and sexually assaulted me. And when he was done, uh, here's what he told me. He said, Bill, if you tell anyone, I'll kill you and I'll kill your family. And I knew he meant it. I knew he meant it. And out of fear, I told no one. And I can't tell you what happened that day. I had my identity robbed and stolen. Uh, I was introduced to shame that day. I was so ashamed of what happened. I was so afraid. I got introduced to fear that day. Fear came over me. Um, and uh, I was just I, I was just so afraid. I, 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 and that's when I started packing away pain, even as a young kid growing up in the streets of East Harlem in New York. I remember even being in the second grade. I remember just even before we got to Catholic school, I was just uh, uh, just in a, a regular class, and there was a kid named Obey that was as big as me. I was one of the taller ones in the class, and me and Obey got into a little fight. We were just big guys just jockeying for position. It's what kids do. So we fought, and I didn't think nothing of it, and we hit each other. And a few days later, a whole gang approaches me and pins me up against the school wall uh, in East Harlem, and I remember the gang leader breaking a, a Coke bottle in half with the glass and pinning me against the wall and opening up my mouth and, and slitting my tongue about seven, eight times with, that, with the glass from that broken Coke bottle and said, if you ever, if you, ever you know, touch, obey again, we'll kill you next time. So this, this is just normal stuff that happens when you grow up in a place like East Harlem, uh, New York. Uh, so I had all these events and there were other events. And here's another event that, that sort of shaped a pattern of behavior for who I was going to be. We had a guy in my neighborhood that was so dangerous. I don't know how many people he killed before he died at the age of 23. I mean, we're talking about one of the most feared guys in that I've ever, ever encountered in my entire life. If you looked at this guy the wrong way, he would kill you. I actually saw him crack a guy's skull open with a baseball bat just for looking at him the wrong way. So when this guy approached you and told you to do something, you just did it. You never asked questions. And so this guy came up to me, Johnny was his name, and he said, Bill, take this $100 bill and go into a building on 112th Street in East Harlem, New York City, and there'll be a couple of guys there. They'll give you a package and some change. So here I am. doing. Now I'm doing drug deals for a mafia guy uh, because you just don't tell Johnny no. So I get the job done. About a week later, it gives me another $100 bill. And so these, and again, the drug dealers are two grown-up Puerto Rican drug dealers that are dangerous guys. And so this time when I went into that hallway and presented that $100 bill to them, they quickly realized that I just gave them a counterfeit $100 bill. And immediately I'm going to bust the drug deal. Two guns were drawn right away. I had one gun right in the temple of my head, one gun right the center of my heart. And I knew I was going to die right at that moment. Two drug dealers pulling out two guns and two guns with the triggers pulled. I can still see both fingers on both triggers and both guns would not go off. I can still see the triggers, the fingers on both triggers and both guns wouldn't go off. You see, now I know that God was in that hallway protecting me that day. Now I know that God had a plan for my life. I didn't realize it back then. I had no idea who God was. Uh, matter of fact, I hated, I, I wondered where God was. I, I never wanted to have anything to do with God growing up in, 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 a, in a place like that. Well, after the guns wouldn't go off, I started to gather myself, and I told those guys, listen, this wasn't my idea to come in here and give you this counterfeit money. 
Johnny sent me in. Everybody knew who Johnny was. When I told them Johnny sent me in, in there, their eyes lit up. And I said, listen, if I don't come out of here, he's going to come looking for me. And if you guys like living, you better not do anything to me because he'll come looking for you. And not only did I walk out of there with my life, but I also walked out of there with the package and the change too from a counterfeit $100 bill. I knew a couple of things were going to happen that day. One, I was probably going to be in sales most of my life. And I was in sales most of my life before I got saved and became a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, but also God had given me, I also realized that, that God had given me great negotiating skills. And I always tell people, thank God that I'm negotiating people for Jesus Christ these days. So that was a life-altering event. But now came the hard part. Now I had to tell Johnny what happened. And I, up to this point, I, I had had enough of the fighting. I had, enough, I had had enough of the bullying. I had, I had enough of getting picked on. I had enough of the sexual assaults. There was another time when another guy tried to take away. Actually, there were several times when guys tried to sexually assault me, but I fought them off and nothing ever happened. It, was, it just seemed like I was just a big target, just a, a tall, skinny, uh, half-breed, growing up in East Harlem, New York with no one to protect them. And I was an open target for some dangerous people. And so I was just blessed looking back on those events, knowing that Jesus Christ had a plan for my life and that he saved me. And that's all the time I have for, for today's uh, testimony. I hope you tune in tomorrow. Uh, as I continue my personal testimony of how Jesus Christ has changed, set my life free, and, and just set my feet upon a rock so I can share it with the entire world. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the Encounter Radio Show.